What's going on, everybody? I'm Justin. I'm Katie. And this is the To Heaven to Homicide podcast. Uh, it's a true count podcast that we're getting started up. This is our first episode. Um, Katie, do you have any thoughts before we get into it? I am so excited to do this. I think we've been wanting to do this for like a year now. I feel like I'm just talking to Justin and it feels a little weird, but I'm so excited. I mean, you basically are. That's the podcast, right? Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> All right. So you ready to get started? Yes. All right. Well, let's do it. Okay. So we're picking up here in Columbia, South Carolina. And a lot of the research that I did for this one came from the Oxygen Television Network. You know that one? <laughs> yeah. So they had like a true crime special on this specific uh, set of murders. And I thought the most hilarious part about this whole thing was they described Columbia, South Carolina as your typical small Southern town, no. which anybody who has ever been Columbia knows that that is not, not at all what Columbia is. You've been watching an Oxygen channel without me. Yeah, I had to do research for this. Yeah, so um, they they describe Columbia as a small town. It's like 133,000 people that live in that town. They said it was a place where everybody knows everybody. And I'm like, that's no. not at all the truth no. for what Columbia, South Carolina is. For those of you who don't know Columbia, South Carolina, like I said, population of 133,000. It's a really dumpy looking college town. You just don't like it because it's Carolina. No, I think anybody would tell you that Columbia is a dumpy-looking college town. No, you just don't like it because you're comparing it to Clemson. Clemson is a less dumpy college town. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyway, so this one takes place in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, this whole The coverage on this specific set of murders all began on July 10th of 2002 when pedestrians saw a fire on the side of a highway in Columbia, South Carolina. Hmm. Uh, Columbia, as you know, is the state capital of South Carolina. It's not your average size southern city. Uh, it's a pretty big city. I would imagine that a, many people probably would have seen this fire before somebody reported it. Um, and so there was a fire on the side of the highway, which would be an incredibly unusual site for anywhere. But this was on a highway in Columbia. So uh, set of pedestrians called, reported it. When the firefighters got out, got out there, put the flames out, they noticed that it was a corpse, and they immediately got in contact with the Richland County Sheriff's Department. Oh gosh! Um, a captain by the name of Dave McRobert reported to the scene and mentioned that on top of the corpse being burnt to the point that it had no identifying physical characteristics, um, that somebody had shot this person in the face with a shotgun and it looks like shot her in the leg until it separated from itself. Mm. So they shot her in one leg twice with a 12 gauge until it looked, he said it looked deformed. Like he tried to amputate it with a shotgun. Um, so whatever the person was trying to do, he was trying to cause a whole lot of pain. Mm. Um, Were there features gone from the fire? Yeah. They, um, mm. according to the autopsy of it, there was three shots used and they used some sort of accelerant to kind of, I guess, get the fire going on this corpse. Um, and like I said, by the time they got to it, there was no identifying characteristics on this body, no fingerprints, no facial hair, nothing. What time does, do you know what time of day it was? Like, could somebody just go like in the middle of the day and like start a fire? This was in the morning. 
okay. Did yeah. you already say that? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, th- yeah, it started on the morning of July 10th, 2002. Yeah, I remember that. So they put the fire out. They see that it's very clearly a the remains of what used to be a person. Um, and so the next day, an employee within the sheriff's department, it was a sheriff's deputy mentioned that they had had a cousin go missing recently. And he thinks that this might be his cousin. That's casual. Um, yeah. I also thought that that was very casual, but. Um, hey Bob, how's your donuts? Oh, pretty good. How about you? It's fine. My cousin is called missing. That's all I can think about. <laughs> How do you just casually bring that up? I'm not sure, but this was a, a sheriff's deputy. He said, hey, this corpse kind of reminds me of my cousin that disappeared a few days ago. <laughs> my cousin also um, has no features. <laughs> but frankly, it's a good thing that he did come forward because this was, in fact, his cousin. They um, went and talked with her mother, so that deputy's aunt. Uh, and then they went and got her dental records and then matched them to the corpse. And it was a perfect match. Uh, so this corpse ended up being a 45 year old woman named Dale Yvonne Hall. Um, her son, Bernard Presley had an interview with oxygen and mentioned that he had found out about what happened with his mother. He felt like he blacked out, uh, equated it to losing his best friend and that everything just went blank. Um, he said he wasn't mad. He wasn't sad. He just kind of was in a state of nothing when he found out that his mother had passed away. Um, Hall was working as a nurse at the time of her death, but the sheriff's department looked into her criminal history, realized that she had been arrested multiple times for soliciting prostitution. Um, and would normally walk two notch road, you know, two notch road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know two notch road. Uh, two notches right off of interstate I-20, I believe. Uh, if you go from 26 to I-20, uh, it's also off of I-77 as well. Um, it's a pretty prominent road. I've been to that McDonald's many a times <laughs> on two notch road. Um, so she would walk two notch road, uh, and of course do her business with that. From what I could gather in my research, it's unknown if the family knew that she was doing this. Or if this was like the thing that we don't talk about, like <laughs> this isn't the thing that we, uh, we, we all know that Dale does this and we just don't discuss it. I don't know if it's one of those things or if they just didn't know. Uh, but she'd been arrested multiple times for prostitution. Uh, agree with the lifestyle or not. She shouldn't have. That's not the way that she should have gone out. Um, nobody deserves to get brutally murdered like that in any case, um, regardless of lifestyle. So interesting, interestingly enough, not long before she died, Hall mentioned to her mother that if something were to happen to her, they needed to look into her boyfriend, Charles Reddick. Oh. So Reddick was known not only to have been incredibly violent towards Dale, but had also been a also had been convicted as a sex offender before. That's something I don't get is like, if you tell somebody like, Hey, if I go missing, you should look into my significant other. Doesn't that like tell you, you shouldn't probably be with them. I I know life isn't always just that simple, but (laughs) yeah, I completely understand what you mean. Um, It is one of those things. It's like, 
it's like if this is the way that you feel about the person that you're with why are you with them yeah um but you know sometimes there's outside circumstances maybe you can't afford to live on your own without this person yeah. uh things like that i'm sure she had some reason that she stayed with them uh and in most in any other case you're statistically most likely to get murdered by your spouse anyway so um reddit was probably going to be <laughs> on next week's podcast <laughs> <laughs> how i did it so um Reddick was known to be a sex, it was a convicted as a sex offender, had known to have been very violent towards Dale, uh, verbally and physically, and police were very quick to track him down. Ironically enough, Reddick lived in a trailer like two miles away from where her body was found burning on the highway. What a coincidence. So when the police showed up at the trailer, he wasn't there. And his neighbors mentioned that Reddick uncharacteristically came home from partying a few nights earlier and washed his car, <laughs> which was super uncharacteristic of Reddick. Um, which I feel like that would be uncharacteristic of most people. If we had a neighbor, <laughs> if we had a neighbor come home at like midnight and start washing their car, I'm probably calling the cops anyway. I'm uh, not going to be awake at midnight because he's not <laughs> washing their car. So, <laughs> so, um, so if any of our neighbors listen to this, don't wash your car at midnight. <laughs> Just giving you a heads up now, or at least give me a little bit of a heads up beforehand. Um, so they he washed his car uncharacteristically. Police also found that to be weird. So he wasn't home. They went away and they came back later and Reddick was home this time. Um, they let him know that Dale had been murdered and it was mentioned that his immediate reaction was just like a very intense level of grief. Like he seemed to have been completely devastated by the news that Dale had been murdered in the way that she had been. Um, and he willingly went to the police station with them and he willingly took a polygraph test. Now, the only issue with this polygraph test is that he failed it. Uh, well, polygraph tests do not hold up in court, though. I mean, yeah, he didn't. He failed it. But they don't hold up in court. So you, I don't, if they don't hold up in court, I don't see the purpose of actually doing them. I have anxiety. I feel like I would probably fail one of those. I don't know. That's, that's my first, as a, uh, you know, I've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts as well. And I've also heard the same things. But if I'm getting arrested, I'm like, give me the polygraph. <laughs> give I'm me the not, polygraph. I swear I'm not lying. No, I'm going to second guess everything. And that the test is probably going to pick up my heart rate and be like, oh, she did it. Next week, <laughs> we put someone with chronic anxiety through a polygraph test to see what happens. Oh, gosh. Is your name Katie? Is it? <laughs> um, so he fails the polygraph test. But the thing is, they like searched his car, searched his home. There was no shotgun. There was no shotgun shells. Um, so they have nothing to hold him on. So Reddit gets to walk. Uh, they have nothing to continually hold it, hold him on other than a failed polygraph test. Like you just said, that doesn't hold up necessarily in the court of law all the time. So Ever. they got to walk. Uh, five days later, the Richland Sheriff's Department received a call from another woman who have claimed to work two notch road with Dale. Ooh. Um, and she had met up with a client a few nights after they found Dale's body. Uh, she was walking the street, met up with a client. They uh, went to their secluded area to do their secluded things. Um, and the guy in the car lifted up his shirt to the woman and revealed the words serial killer 
on his stomach. What? Written in what she said was blood. Uh. Yeah. Uh. And so she did what any rational person would do in the situation, and she got out the car and hightailed it somewhere else. Was it like real blood? Or like a tattoo? That's just the way she described it. She if said it, was, it looked like it was written in blood. If it was real blood and he had his shirt on, it would it would smear. Unless it was dried. I've never seen dried blood under a shirt like that, so I don't know. I don't know. She said it looked like it was written in blood. It may or may not have been. But uh, investigators ended up asking this woman, hey, can you come in? We'll show you a lineup. We've got a few suspects, one of which was our friend, Mr. Charles Reddick, who they had already brought in, failed the polygraph test. Um, she looked at that lineup and said that it was none of those guys that they had had. And the guy that was in the car with her was far younger than Charles Reddick was. He just has really poor taste in tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Poor taste in tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just go with that. Um, <laughs> so with the description of this individual being vastly different from Reddick and the way that they said the way that Reddick reacted to the news of her passing and cooperated with the investigation, they were inclined to think that it was not Charles Reddick that had killed Dale Hall. Um, they said it just seemed like he was like too heartbroken to hear the news. Um, and of course, like I said, there was nothing other than a failed polygraph test to tie him to it. Uh, and the fact that his home was close by. You know, what really stinks is that, uh, victims, loved, loved ones are always like put under a microscope to like watch their reaction. Like, oh, they are showing too much emotion. Like they are. It's all fake or, oh, they're not showing enough emotion, but everybody reacts differently. So I feel like, I don't know, I don't know. people just read into it too much. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's the case. Um, different people will react to different things differently. Um, sometimes people are more emotional. Some people are less emotional. Uh, sometimes that's just how it goes. You, like, I know we all tend to think it's like, well, if this happened to me, this is how I would react. It's like, well... Unless it actually has happened to you, you don't necessarily know how you'd react to it. Yeah. Um, this guy who I've seen a picture of, he seems like a pretty, uh, like rough around the edges, older gentleman. Um, probably a guy who's seen some stuff in his life. Um, <laughs> and so the fact that he's like reacting so intensely yeah. kind of leads me to believe that he's being sincere about it. Yeah. Um, and certainly that's what the investigators of the, of Ms. Hall's murder thought as well. Uh, cause they were like, this can't be our guy. It doesn't match our, our serial killer's description and it doesn't match, uh, you know, we can't find anything else on it. So, uh, we'll take a brief break here real quick and then we'll come back and we'll pick up where we left off and see if we can figure out who our serial killer stomach guy is. So before we went on break, 
Uh, we had established that they had pretty well ruled Charles Reddick out for the murder of Dale Hall. They just didn't think that it could be him. Um, Dale's colleague had mentioned that a younger African-American gentleman was the one that had picked her up. And that's the one that had the serial killer written on his stomach may or may not have been in blood, but she said it looked like it was. Uh, so seven days after Dale was found burning on the side of the road, investigators learned about another shotgun related incident that had happened actually several days before Dale was found involving a homeless man named Jimmy White. So White was approached by a man matching a similar description as the guy in the car. Uh, we don't know if he had serial killer written on his stomach at the time there, but uh, without provocation, Jimmy White was asleep on the bench. And this guy just walked up and shot him with a shotgun. Oh, poor Jimmy. Yeah. So he was homeless. This is where he was sleeping at. And the guy oh. walked up and he was like, what? And then got shot. Did he survive? Uh, so Jimmy White actually did survive. Woo! Um, he was shot multiple times with a shotgun and he survived. But due to the fact that he was asleep when he approached him and how quickly everything happened, he couldn't contribute anything to help him and find him. Poor Jimmy. Yeah, it just kind of out of nowhere occurred. And so uh, fortunately, Jimmy did survive. Um, and so now we have two victims of a shotgun attack that weren't that far away from each other. Uh, we have this incident with another prostitute with this serial killer stomach, dude. Um, and after investigators looked for a while interviewing other street workers uh, hotel managers, hotel staff, things of that nature. It ended up with nothing. They couldn't find any leads, couldn't find any names, nothing. So essentially for about a month, the case went cold. Hmm. Um, a month after they had found her body, there was a 911 call coming from a Texas roadhouse in Columbia about another shotgun related shooting. You and I have eaten at this Texas road. I was about to ask. Not going back there. <laughs> if it helps at all, the shooting was outside of the Texas Roadhouse and not <laughs> wait, in the kitchen. Wait, the cinnamon butter is not the only thing deadly there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll just go ahead and in case Texas Roadhouse in Columbia ends up hearing us talk about this, it was not inside the building. They don't deserve to lose a DHEC grade. Um, but it was in it, the parking lot? It was in the parking lot. Oh, you know, Miyabi's is right beside that. Miyabi's is right beside that. Oh, I love Miyabi's. So uh, <laughs> up until the shooting, like I said, investigators really had nothing to go off of. Reddick wasn't their guy, and it looks like nobody else had any information to go off. So uh, it looked like she was going to go into cold case status. Now they have a young man by the name of Jedediah Har in the Texas Roadhouse parking lot with a shotgun wound to his head. That's and he is cool barely name. alive. It's a really cool name. Uh, Jedediah went by Jed, and I might refer to him as Jed from here on That's out because cooler. it is shorter. Um, the crime scene luckily had tons of witnesses. This was like evening time at a oh Texas roadhouse. Um, it all began with a dispute between two employees that worked there named Brian Marquis and Quincy Allen. Quincy Adams. <laughs> All right, Hamilton. So <laughs> Alan had been known to mess around at work a lot. Like this guy had been known to like mess with people all the time. And now some things that he would do were like a lot more innocent than others. So occasionally he would 
like right on the arms of his female co co-workers with like magic marker which what a rascal yeah it makes you think you know like maybe he's just a guy that plays like a little too much or something like that but there's also a report that he may have tried to light another co-worker on <gasps> fire with his lighter that's so different <laughs> so, than a sharpie there are definitely he hits a lot of different extremes here um it was also noted like i said it was also noted i've read the same note twice try to light his co-worker on fire uh so Brian Marquis' girlfriend and soon to be mother of his child, Tiffany, was also an employee at the Texas Roadhouse. Congratulations. So Alan, Marquis, and Tiffany all worked at the Texas Roadhouse. Uh, Tiffany had had enough of Quincy's messing around one night. Oh. Uh, basically laid into him, said that she had had enough of his nonsense. She wasn't going to put up with it anymore. Um, and so Quincy decided she was right and he was going to let it go. He was gonna let what go? Let Just her? like let he was gonna quit doing all okay, of the stuff okay, messing okay. around. Okay. No, that's not what happened. Oh. Quincy threatened <laughs> to punch her in her stomach so hard <gasps> that her baby would have a mark on its forehead from where he punched her. Oh my gosh. I thought he just was innocent with his sharpies. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so Tiffany called Brian Marquis, okay. who was hanging out with Jed. And another friend of theirs named Jason. Um, and so Brian and Jed hopped in Jed's car. They went on over to the Texas Roadhouse. Brian went into the kitchen. Him and Quincy had words until a manager told them that they had to get out the kitchen. They have customers there. They got to leave. And so Quincy, Jed, and Brian all go out of the restaurant. Jed hops in the driver's seat of his car. Brian hops in the driver's seat of his car. And they put the car in reverse. As they're backing up, a big shotgun blast flies through their back windshield and hits Jed in the head. That rhymed. <laughs> and so while they were getting in the car, Quincy went to his car, popped his trunk, pulled a shotgun out, and it fired at Jed in the driver's seat, causing Jed and Brian to go down a ravine into <gasps> a gas station parking lot. So this car is now wrecked in the gas station parking lot. Oh my goodness. Um, so Brian hops out the car because he's still good. Jed has been shot in the head, but Brian hasn't been hit. Brian hops out the car and he books it inside that gas station. Um, he left Jed. So he goes in there. There's a woman by the name of Roberta Harrison working the counter. Uh, he tells Roberta, you need to call the police. This guy just shot it our car and he's like asking her am i bleeding i don't know am i bleeding and he's like i need help and she's like get in the freezer <gasps> they have a freezer in a gas station they do have a freezer in this gas station so um he hops she gets him into the freezer just in the nick of time for quincy allen to walk through the front door of this gas station stop it uh, quincy looks at her and basically asked where the h is she is he not she where the h is he what about Jed? He walked right past him? Jed has been shot in the head in the car at the gas station. So he thinks he's dead? Probably. Okay. Um, and Harrison, uh, being the jewel that she is, says she didn't know who the F he was looking for, but he needed to get the F out the store. Wow. And so Alan did that. He turned around and walked <laughs> right on out the store. 
Did you really? You're not lying to me this time? No. He yeah. legitimately just, just left. left the store. Didn't didn't try to shoot her. Didn't look around anywhere. Just left the store. Um, do you have any guesses as to how far away this Texas roadhouse was from where Dale was found? It's not far because it's right off the interstate. So if you are going south on 77. I don't know what that is. 77 is an interstate. Okay. If you're going south. What about when you're on 20 and 26? I'm more. Well, this didn't happen on 20 or 26. It happened on the 77 exit. Okay. So if you're going south on 77 and decide that you want to get off on this exit, if you take a left, you go to Texas Roadhouse. If you take a right and then like three immediate lefts, you are at Dale's location. Really? Yeah. Uh, The investigator of this, because they heard shotgun. And they knew of James White, they knew of Dale Hall, and they were like, we need to go respond to this. This could be our guy. So they get over there, the lead investigator of the situation, like look down the road and across the bridge, and he's like, that's, she was just up the road right there. Um, so, like I said, it was right there when it happened. You just took, take a couple of lefts, it's right there. Uh, they put two and two together, were convinced that Quincy Allen was their guy. They were convinced that Quincy Allen was the guy that shot Jimmy White and was the guy that shot Dale Hall. Um, the only issue now is that Quincy is no longer at the scene, as you would expect somebody who just shot a guy that fell into a ravine would be. Mm. Um, and now Jedediah was, had been pronounced dead at the <gasps> hospital after getting shot in the head. Fortunately, his mother was able to make it to the hospital, so he was not alone when he passed away. I thought you said he... Oh, you said he was almost dead. Yeah. Oh, man. So he made it to the hospital. Um, His mother... uh, His mother in the oxygen special, uh, they'd interviewed her. She said that she leaned over and whispered into his ear, I can't fight this one for you, baby. You're going to have to fight this one by yourself. I'm so sorry. Um, and then she said that she knew that he heard her because a tear went down his face. Stop. And then he passed away. Oh, why are you telling me this? That's so sad. It is very sad. Oh, my gosh. So now we have two dead Oh my gosh. And an assault victim or a uh, attempted murder victim. And Jed was just like trying to like help his friend. Jed essentially drove the car. Oh my gosh, that's so not and fair. And passed away. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Brian Markey and Quincy Allen, the guys who are having the dispute, are still very much alive. Jed unfortunately passed away. Um, the sheriff's department put out that since they now know their guy, they know who they're looking for, at least for this specific murder. Um, they got his information. They put out that he was driving a white Chrysler neon all over the state. They were able to quickly get a hit on this vehicle because Quincy was stopped for speeding in Virginia. Oh, he left the state. Yeah. He booked it. (laughs) He said, bye. Um, and so I guess after he got caught and got the speeding ticket in Virginia, he started working his way back down the state. And so he ended up, um, I'm not sure. Um, Keep driving to Canada, and I'm proud. I am proud to say I do not know why he did that because I don't want to understand why this guy did what he did. That's true. Um, I mean, he grew up 
poverty stricken in a, in a neglectful environment, as we see very commonly in serial killers, but that is only a cause that is by no means an excuse for why he did what he did. Um, so in the meantime, after he gets a speeding ticket, a in Surrey County, North Carolina, which is like at the top, right beside the Virginia, North Carolina border, uh, sheriffs responded to a double homicide at a gas station. Both individuals were shot with a shotgun. In North Carolina? In North Carolina, yes. Now we got a, a friggin' uh, gas station serial killer. So the first victim was a 53-year-old named Richard Hawks. Hawks was the clerk at the gas station. Um, he was caught on camera. Quincy walked in, bought a Coke, walked out, walked back in, and while Hawk was while Hawks was restocking cigarettes, he shot him in the back. There's just so many thoughts going through my head right now. Like, Is one of them why the heck are you buying a Coke if you just playing? <laughs> that was the main thought in my head. Why did you just pay for a Coke when you're literally going to kill the man? I'm not sure either. I thought the same thing. <laughs> um, so he shoots Hawks in the back while he's restocking cigarettes and then alan goes to the other side of the counter and he this is all on videotape so you see him go in you see him go out you, you see, see him come tape? back in yeah Ugh. um you see him go back in fire across the counter and then you see him uh you see him step behind the counter and start messing with the cash register he's very clearly trying to break into the cash register okay. um he's a shotgun Unfortunately, while he was trying to break into this cash register, a 29-year-old teacher from Ohio by the name of Robert Roush came into the store. Uh, Robert was named after his father, so his father was also Robert Roush, so he went by Shane. Um, Shane was on his way to Hilton Head, South Carolina, to visit some buddies of his from college. So he was on his way down the coast uh to meet his friends in hilton head had stopped in this gas station uh you see him get shot on video too never saw it coming Did uh, he, die? he so he walks into the store and you know you walk into a gas station if you're looking to pick something up you're looking down the aisles to see yeah. what it is it basically looked like he walked in was like looking down the aisles and then bam he gets hit in the stomach with a shotgun or he gets hit in the stomach with a shotgun blast um that's so not fair can you even imagine just going into the gas station to grab a coke and not knowing that the person behind the counter is not the person who's supposed to be behind the counter yeah like you, you walk terrifying. in and you just see a guy sitting behind the counter and you don't think anything of it and then oh that guy gosh. happens to have been holding a 12 gauge in his hand that's and terrifying. just pulls it up and shoots him um like i said he had his eye his eyes on the aisle the whole time uh, Alvin ended up stealing Shane's car keys and wallet. Well, did he die? Hold on. Ah. Um, he ends up stealing Shane's car keys and wallet. And the initial shotgun shot did not kill him, but he shoots him point blank Stop. in the head with a shotgun. What? So not only did he shoot him the first time when he came in, but he takes his keys and wallet and shoots him in the head again. Like oh right up on it. Like. That, as far away from me to you, maybe closer. That man is pure evil. Oh um, my gosh. And so he abandons his neon behind the store. Uh, Surrey County police officers were very quick to make a connection to his crimes in Columbia. They found the car, ran the place. They're like, this dude's wanted for 
murder in Colombia. We need to find this guy. Um, the whole messed up situation, whole the whole the most messed up thing with this whole situation was that he came back into the store a third time. What? So he shoots the guy behind the counter. He shoots Shane, leaves the store, and comes back in the store. Looks directly at the security <gasps> camera and sticks his tongue out at the camera. <gasps> oh my gosh, that gives me the creeps. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, if what? you go watch through, like I said, I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, if you go watch the oxygen special, it kind of lays this. You, you see this stuff on there. He goes back into the store, kind of uh, oh my into the camera, God. taps the camera, <gasps> and then leaves. What? That, so he uh, went in a third time and stuck his tongue that out That makes the my skin crawl. That, that makes, makes me feel icky. I don't like that. Oh. So Quincy ends up. Oh, that makes me so mad. <laughs> Quincy ends up stealing Shane's car. Like I said, he took his car keys and his wallet and takes his Ford Explorer up the road. He finds that Shane has a phone in his car. So Quincy starts calling all of his roadhouse work coworkers. Oh he just knows their number by heart. I guess so. This was 2002. It was probably a little bit more common to um, know everybody's number yeah, by heart fair. at the time. Um so he calls a few of them, including Brian Marquis. He's like, I've got a hit list. I'm coming after y'all. Things oh. like that. Um, and so he calls a few co-workers and does that. Can you imagine just working at Texas Roadhouse? <laughs> and then now all of a sudden being on somebody's hit list. Yeah, you just work with this guy. And now all of a sudden. I, I'm like just he's... here for the cinnamon butter. <laughs> and so... <laughs> He ends up calling another one of his coworkers, and for whatever reason, considered her to be an ally of his. So he calls her and says everything. Oh, says God. everything that he's done. Um, and so she calls the cops and her. she says, hey, he called me and said everything that he had done. And they said, can we give you a tape recorder? And she says, yeah, I'd very much like that. And so... Uh uh, you can hear him say this stuff verbatim in that oxygen special that I did get this from. Um, so there's a few different quotes here that I'll kind of run through. He basically says that he came in and bought a Coke and that was he was too smart to bring the shotgun in the first time. His words. What does that, he was too, she said, why didn't you didn't bring the shotgun in with you to begin with? He said, no, I was too smart for that. So... You can't see me right now, but my mouth is like dropped open and I'm doing like that meme of that girl has her hand out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got you. I hate that. So he says he was too smart, too smart to bring it in the first time. Um, He was very non-sympathetic to the fact that Hawks was crying, that he just got shot in the back. Um, He said that he was like crying and ish and it was annoying. Um, He's annoying. Yeah, he's not a very nice person. Uh, he got very irritated when Shane walked into the store uh, while he was trying to do what he was doing behind the counter. And uh, he said that he yelled at him to stop. This may or may not have been fabricated by him because, like I said, I watched the video and it didn't seem like he ever turned his head to look at the counter like somebody had just yelled at him to stop. Um it lo- literally just looked like he was looking down aisles and got shot. Um, and so 
on this recording, you hear Alan ask this colleague that works at Texas Roadhouse if she would puke at the sight of somebody's brains coming out of their skull. Um, she said, probably. And he responded by saying that he stared at it and didn't puke. And he laughed while asking why he didn't puke. So he was like, oh I stared at it and didn't puke. Why didn't I puke? you're freaking insane um he left the phone call by saying that from now on if he approached anybody with his gun there was nothing they could say or do to stop him hmm. alan continued calling his co-workers and because he did this investigators were able to track his phone continually as he was <laughs> heading back to south carolina but he was too smart at the gas but station. But he was too smart at the gas station. Okay. So he's heading back down, and they thought that they were coming back for his co-workers. So they increased, they like put investigators with his co-workers to make sure that they were protected at all times of day. And then strangely enough, instead of taking 26 to go to Columbia, he takes 85 and goes to Atlanta. What? Yeah. Okay. Um... And so for, for those of you who don't know, those are two different directions. One is, <laughs> one is east and one is south. He decided that he was going to continue south towards Atlanta. Um, and then around that time, they couldn't track the phone anymore. They didn't know if he had gotten rid of it, if the phone had died. Oh, oh gosh, I hate this. They couldn't track the phone anymore. But <sighs> he was using Roush's credit cards. Gosh, I hate this. Um, so he was... They were able to continue tracking him because he was using Roush's credit cards and they tracked him all the way to Texas. Whoa. Um, it's a big difference. When he was in Texas. Don't tell me he killed somebody. Well, he hasn't yet, at least. Ah. Um, so they get a report of a stolen vehicle and this guy has been using this guy's credit cards um from the dudes in surrey north carolina that he's in texas the people in this town in texas were like we know where exactly where that car is at he is asleep in this car so they very stealthily throw spike traps in front and behind his car nice. they get enough people around his car to where they felt comfortable and then they went over the loudspeaker you know, hey, we've got you surrounded. You need to come out, come out the car with your hands up. The car turns on and he books it up the road. The spike trap ends up taking out one of his tires and he books it on up the road. So he ends up intentionally wrecking another car. Uh, and that is where the chase ended up ending. Uh, from what I gather, he did not kill the other person in the car. Well, that's good. Um, and then... He ends up willingly stepping out of the car and turning himself into the police. He didn't come out with a shotgun. He didn't try to go down with one last stand. He gets out of the car, hands up, and completely surrenders on his own. Hmm. Um, and so they take him back to North Carolina. So at this point, I believe he has killed five people. Did they just like drive him back? It's like an awkward drive. For the police officer. 
I mean, I have to imagine it was some sort of like armored vehicle type deal where they threw him in the back in isolation and then yeah. took on up the, the road. Um, Alan confessed to everything that he was accused of. So he confessed to killing Dale Hall. He confessed to shooting Jimmy White. He confessed to killing Jed Har. He confessed to killing Hawks. And he confessed to killing Roush at that gas station. So he's done confessed to all this stuff in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, they sentenced him with life in prison because he took a plea bargain. This did not set well for the people in South Carolina. They had him <laughs> subpoenaed to South Carolina. They were determined to get him on the death penalty. Um, so he ends up pleading to pleading guilty to the murders of Dale and Yvonne, uh, Dale Hall and Jedediah Har. So they did connect him to Dale? Yes. Yes. How? The shotgun. The casings were very similar. Okay. And on top of that, he confesses that he did it. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, he confessed that he did it. He confessed that he shot James White in the park. Um, <sighs> And so he was sentenced to death on December 17th of 2009 in the state of South Carolina. Um, on the morning of December 2nd, 2009, Alan, don't who even. was in prison. Don't even. So he was in jail. Don't. Um, while he was in jail, he ends up teaming up with another guy named Michael Mahdi, and they made shivs. Um, they made shivs. Apparently, Mahdi, I didn't look into him too much. He was also a guy that was looking at death row in the state of South Carolina. He was apparently very crafty um, to the point to where he made a handcuff key out of a copper wire. Um, <laughs> he made shivs out of air duct pieces. And then he and... Allen asked if they could go to the basketball courts. And so a guy named Nathan Sasser end up a guy named Nathan Sasser ends up escorting them to the ball courts. They get over to the ball courts and they start going at it on Sasser. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I believe he ended up getting stabbed 14 yeah. times by these shivs. Um, and, and then they start. There? There was, they, from what I gather, they were understaffed that day, and the person who was supposed to check them before they went outside did not do it thoroughly enough. They patted them down, but did not fully check them. Uh, so he ends up getting stabbed 14 times, and then those two try to hop the fence. Um, they try to hop the fence. They can't hop the fence. They end up going into the common area somehow. They tear apart a TV and use it as their own riot gear. And they get subdued with rubber bullets. Rubber bullets? Rubber bullets. What is that? It's like, it's not a real bullet. It's something you still fire out of a gun. It just doesn't. Well, what's it do? Does it do it, anything? I, I guess it you? hurts like the Dickens, if I had to guess. Interesting. Um, so, fortunately for Sasser, uh, which we'll get into him a little bit more in a minute, he did survive this. That's good. Um they find out that the reason that Alan was doing this was going around killing everybody was because he was already in prison. He had just recently got out of prison before this murder spree started for stealing a car. Mm. Um, so Alan steal, stole a car, was in prison. While he was in prison, he met a guy and this guy said, hey, 
you should be a professional hitman. I've got ties with the mafia and you would be great for that role. And so when he gets out of jail, he goes and buys a shotgun and decides that he's going to become an awesome serial killer. So that way, when he becomes a member of the mafia, he already knows what he's doing and he's taken care of. So guys like James White or a guy like James White, who was just asleep on there uh, on the bench was just target practice, I suppose. And then Dale Hall was somebody who I guess for him would have been an easy target. And so he's just practicing to be in the mafia. Yeah. So he's just preparing for his aspiring occupation. I mean, I've heard practicing the piano. Yeah. So that (laughs) that was the whole reason he was doing this stuff. He was aspiring to be a member of the mafia, which when it comes to Dale, I don't know if, so they had mentioned that in this uh, special here, they had mentioned that whoever shot Dale was wanting her to be in a lot of pain and things like that. And I could see that being the case, but I could also see a case that like, just like BTK. He just didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what he was doing and basing it all on what he saw on TV. That's fair. And like, what would you see a mafia member do on TV? They'd kneecap somebody and then shoot them. I don't watch mafia movies, but I trust you. So I could see that easily being the case with Dale Hall and what in her situation, he just tried to be a mafia member and ended up taking it that direction and shot her in the knee and then ended up killing her. Um, so I want to kind of end with another note because I feel like Sasser is due a little bit more justice here in the end. Um, so like I said, he ends up on death row. He gets convicted of every murder that he accounted for. Um, so Hall's attempted murder. Um, I mean, Hall uh, White's attempted murder, Dale Hall's murder, uh, Jed Har's murder, Richard Hawk's murder and Shane Roush's murder. He is convicted of all of these. Um, and then there's this part where he, of course, ends up stabbing Nathan Sasser, uh, the correctional officer at this prison that he was held, being held at. Now, keep in mind, he ends up getting sentenced to death on December 9th, 2009. And this took place on December 2nd. So he ends up stabbing Sasser on December 2nd. Um, Sasser ended up having to deal with an awful lot after this stabbing. Um, So he ended up surviving. Uh, He was rewarded for his bravery during that time. From what I gather, he was given some sort of reward that resembles a clock, like a golden clock uh, for that. Uh, He got shafted after that. So understandably, he was having to deal with PTSD and anxiety a lot after this uh, to the point where I've seen reports uh, on the post and courier that uh, he accredits, he accredits his faith for being able to survive it. But when he went to church, he had to sit at the back row. He couldn't have anybody behind him. Um, He's had night terrors to where when people tried to wake him up, he ended up swinging on them because he was just so that was his PTSD. Uh, he was in, uh, ended up having to forcibly retire. They made him retire uh, because he ended up extending his long-term disability because of that. And they said, we need to replace you. We cannot hold your job for you any longer. 
um, which is super duper messed up. Um, I wasn't able to find where he picked up employment after this or if, where he was, um, like if he went on government disability or anything like that. I did learn that him and his wife, Kim, just recently celebrated their 20th anniversary last year. So happy anniversary, Nathan <laughs> and Kim, if you're listening to this. Uh, we're really happy to hear that you're still around to be able to celebrate that. Uh, proud for both of you. As of right now, Quincy Allen is still alive in a supermax prison in South Carolina. Um, I thought he was supposed to be... He was sentenced to death on December... Uh, excuse me. I said ninth earlier. He was sentenced to death on December 17th, 2009 and immediately filed an appeal. Um, oh he was supposed to be, he was supposed to be executed in January of 2010. So it was going to be a very quick turnaround. It's been 12 and he, years. Yes. Um, he was supposed to be executed in, like I said, in January of 2010 uh, right now, it is February of 22. He is still alive in a supermax prison. They do not have a set date for his execution. Um, so he still remains on death row um, at Kirkland Supermax in South Carolina. Uh, and that is where he lies at um, while he's waiting his death. I believe that Matt, uh, Michael Motti is also there with him in that prison, too. Uh, yeah, let's both put them, of them together. That's great. Both of them were placed in a supermax supermax prison. They were uh, complete had a lot of their rights removed, outdoors times, things of that nature. Good. One thing that that was super messed up with Sasser's situation is that they were never put on trial for the attempted murder of Nathan Sasser. Um, the state looked at those two and said they're already on death row. What else are we going to charge them with? I don't know. Speed it up. Um, let's, and so let's not let him just sit. Sasser was understandably pissed about this. Um, uh, I would understandably pissed about yeah. this. Like, even if it's like, yeah, they're already on death row and you're already going to kill them, but at least make sure that I'm getting my justice in yeah. this too. Um, Cause he got stabbed 14 times. Hmm. Uh, they stabbed him until he went to the ground. Um, and so, like I said, very happy that Sasser's still with us. Um, that him and his wife, Kim, were able to celebrate their 20th anniversary last year. Um, and yeah, Alan is still on death row and that is your South Carolina shotgun killer. Um, I, I don't know how I've never heard of that. I'd never heard of it either. Uh, it's certainly interesting. And there was a lot of stuff that I wasn't sure how I hadn't heard it. With yeah, I don't know the, how we haven't heard it. That's yeah. insane. I feel like, so it came out eating there now. <laughs> like, obviously it had nothing to do with, um, what was it? The restaurant? Texas Roadhouse? Yeah, Texas yeah. Roadhouse had Longhorn. Yeah, I mean, obviously it had nothing to do with Texas Roadhouse. So if they want to sponsor us, hey. <laughs> um, but just the fact that, like, there was, like, a, such an evil person working there and that... Jed had been shot and almost had been killed in that parking lot. That's insane. Yeah, he. Uh, they said that when they responded to Jed in the parking lot, he was barely hanging on to life at the time. Uh, but like I said, thankfully he was, I, I hate that for his mother, but at least he was not by himself. Uh -huh. um, That's so sad. At least he had somebody by his side that loved him in his final moments um, and that he didn't have to go by himself. Um, 
Yeah, that is that is your South Carolina shotgun killer. Uh, we can look into doing a little something different here next week. Uh, Katie, do you have anything else before we head on out? I am just going to, it's like really late now, so probably going to go to bed. And I'm just going to sit or lay there just thinking about this case over and over again in my mind. Because that is so insane. That is so sad. I hate that so much. Like People like that just make me angry. They're just evil. Yeah, and it's just it's disgusting. Yeah, he just he thought that he, especially at that point in that gas station where he came back and looked in the camera, you could tell that. Oh, he thought that he I was, forgot about that. I you could tell it. that he thought that he was invisible. Like, if seriously, if you want to go look at this stuff, it's it's there. Um, it's all in that. It's all in that oxygen special. Um, it is super messed up. <sighs> just like the eerie feeling you get looking at him, look into the camera. It's it's super messed up. Yeah, obviously, my thoughts and prayers are with the families of all the victims. I, I mean, it's it's sad when somebody's taken from this world, let alone when it's done in such a malicious, uh, just painful, terrible way. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine the things that they've been through, and our thoughts and prayers are certainly with with them since this has been um i guess almost 10 years since this specific crime has happened um hopefully they can go ahead and do what they need to do as far as alan and his sentence go um because like i said there's still not a set date for his execution so he's currently just jay chilling on death row i think that's what's worse or like more than anything is just like him being in limbo like Send him, send him to life, send him to execution, just something. Don't have him just hanging like, oh, what's going to happen? Unfortunately, a lot of people know how to play the system like that. I'm sure that he's constantly appealing it. Um, I think you get two appeals and it's done. I think it's three and then you're done. Okay. And yeah. it's been that long. Yeah. I mean, uh, court cases take a lot of time. I'm sure COVID hasn't helped anything either. I'm sure COVID hasn't. Dang. Yeah. So... Um, still no, still no execution date. Uh, he is still, he's still around and kicking, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully for the family's sake, they can go ahead and get at least some sort of, some sort of resolve in this situation. And I just pray that they, the families, regardless of what happens with Alan, that they have come to peace with their situation and, yeah. um, have, learn that even though this isn't isn't what we want out of our life that they've come to some form of acceptance and um hopefully found a way to live a happy life despite the situation Mm. so with that being said i think we're going to log on out katie you have any final remarks those were my final remarks Okay, so until next week, I'm Justin. I'm Katie. And you guys stay safe, stay alive, and stay awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Bye.